You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast. I am Tyler Brooke, as always, joined alongside Chris Burke, my co-host. I wanted to start this off a little different, Chris. You know, obviously, we're coming off Thanksgiving weekend. Vibes are good after a big Packers win. But before we go into talking about any football, I'm very curious for your take. When is the appropriate time to start listening to Christmas music? Who oh boy. Um, so I worked retail for a large chunk of my life. Um, so I'm seeing Christmas decorations like around Labor Day. So right around the start of football season, stuff starts trickling in. Um, we're obviously not hearing music or anything yet at that point. So usually the week around the week of Thanksgiving is fine for me. Uh, family tradition, you know, when I was younger, it would always be let's go get the tree the day after Thanksgiving. Everybody else can kill each other in the malls shopping, but uh, we can. Uh, we always want the so the week of Thanksgiving, I would say, is acceptable. Um, yeah, I think that's a reasonable take. I have friends, um, shout out to Maggie and Nicole that listen to Christmas music year round. I think that is psychotic behavior. Um, I did work at a car wash and then I worked at Costco, growing up high school and college. Um, so I can feel you. We always started the Christmas music way too early, man. The one I need to know what your least favorite Christmas song is because. Every single time I hear simply having a wonderful Christmas time, I want to jump off a building. So that song is on repeat. Well, this year work, thankfully, did our playlist a little different where it used to just be straight Christmas music. And it was throughout the weekend. But today it's the regular music that we usually have playing, which is like classic rock mixed in with some Christmas music. It's a very unique vibe. But as far as my least favorite song, I'd have to go with Christmas shoes. It's it's. I'm not sure if you've heard that. Um, the story behind it's incredibly sad, but just the way the song's written and performed, um, in, no. <laughs> well, I had to bring you down before we, you know, got right back up. Uh, let's just go ahead and get into it. Obviously, like I said, immaculate vibes after the holiday weekend, ending a Thanksgiving weekend with a Packers victory over the Los Angeles Rams to move to nine and three could not be any better. You, I think there's an extra level of satisfaction. You are beating the team that everyone said they're all in to win a Super Bowl. Odell chose L.A. over Green Bay. I mean, what could be better than just kind of like, you know, just smacking a team around that, you know, had all those narratives going for them? Well, exactly. And, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, the Packers were going into the bye. They're so beat up. You know, I think a lot of us, I, I will fully admit to picking to picking the Rams. I didn't get to look at the exact breakdown of, who on staff did, but as somebody who likes to hold himself accountable, you know, I'm not somebody that lives and dies with my picks. You know, I did tweet out. I don't know if anybody saw the picture of uh, Michael Scott standing on top of the building, Burke, you ignorant slut. Um, So that's really how I felt about that. But yeah, phenomenal performance. I'd say probably the most complete game of the year. What's yeah. What's funny is this is the most probably complete game of the year and they still have not really played a complete game when you really think about it. Uh, before we go in, let's start talking about the offense. Before we go into that, 
just wanted to throw a couple things at you. Not only are the Packers nine and three, they have swept the NFC West, you know, which has all four of their teams in the playoff hunt. And obviously the one you've probably heard a million times at this point, but Matt LaFleur has never lost back-to-back games as the head coach, of the green Bay Packers. He is nine and zero off a loss. That alone screams head coach of the year for me. Absolutely agree. But I am going to correct you a little bit there. He actually has lost back-to-back games between uh, Tampa last year and new Orleans this year, but he's never lost two consecutive games in the same season, ah, okay. which is still phenomenal. I mean, you're technically correct, which is the best kind of correct, as we all know. Um, but he also, uh, yeah, same within the same season, though. So phenomenal. I just somebody needs to start giving some respect to the man. I mean, the the Rogers caveat's always going to be there, you know, like oh, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Go look at how Aaron Rodgers performed in seventeen and eighteen before Lafleur arrived. I mean, he wasn't great in nineteen, but he got Rodgers to buy into his program, which was the challenge, and. Uh, that that's a phenomenal coach right there. So all the credit in the world to Matt LaFleur. Yeah. The Aaron Rodgers caveat always bothers me because they're, you know, early this season and early in his first season, the offense did not look good. It is a work in progress constantly. And the coaches that I am always impressed with are the ones that are able to continually improve as the season progresses, despite injuries. And if you want to talk about injuries this season, I actually did some math. I was bored this morning. Um, as far as how much cap value the Packers have lost this season, they are hovering around $22 million in cap space lost to injuries this year. I mean, that's just an incredible number and to lose so many high value guys like that for so much time and still be nine and three and still, you know, now things are starting to come together. uh, It's really a testament to everything he's built in green Bay. Well, yeah, you know, everybody keeps pointing to, you know, the to 2010, and I would actually argue they lost more bodies in 2010, but they lost more talent this year because, you know, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, um, Zadarius Smith, they lost a lot of talent. Um, a lot of the guys that went down in 2010, yeah, there were a lot of bodies on there, but there weren't a whole lot of all pros. They lost their heart and soul of the defense, literally and figuratively between Smith and Alexander, they lost their stalwart left tackle, which is, a, you know, when you got Aaron Rodgers as an improviser, you got to protect that blind side. We'll get more into that when we talk about the offense. But, uh, yeah, phenomenal uh, effort with Matt LaFleur getting them ready to go. That's That speaks to the culture that he's built there, and that you really got to give him credit for that. Yeah, obviously, knock on wood, all your fingers and toes crossed. Thank goodness they're going into a bye week. Uh, chance to get healthy. Hopefully you start seeing some of those guys back at practice sometime soon. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the offense right now. Uh, do you think that Aaron Rodgers' deep ball has been fixed because of the toe injury? Just a heads up. <laughs> just, I'm just curious. <laughs> it's You don't want to make it a coincidence. I mean, if you look at how he played with that injured calf in the stretch run in 2014, he played well, and that kind of forced him to adapt a little bit. But, I mean, I was trying, you know, to – I've broken some toes in the past and I was trying to just in my, in my living room, just, you know, do a little bit of a drop back plant planting my foot and see what I would do with that pinky toe. And it's, I could see how that would affect his deep pass. And maybe that's, you know, he always likes to talk about a hitch in the step and how he caught some stuff on film from 19, you know, before he won MVP last year, maybe he found something this year, who knows, but I I'd like to think it's a coincidence, but you never know. Cause every part of a quarterback's, foot is involved in their throwing motion so it's possible 
here, here are the actual numbers since the toe injury came out uh, against Minnesota uh, on passes of 20 plus yards, four of six, 157 yards and three touchdowns. So really just a masterclass of a deep ball there. Uh, this week, the numbers aren't great. He only went two of six. One of those completions was that beautiful pass to Devontae Adams down the left sideline. Uh, another one that's not getting talked about a lot is that MVS deep shot forced it into double coverage. Technically did hit the man on the hands. So it's not like they're drastically uh, inaccurate. They are accurate passes. Um, something to keep an eye on. If that trend continues and Aaron Rodgers gets his deep ball back, I mean, with how everything else on the team is going, I don't know how you stop Green Bay if that ends up being the case. Nope, that's, you know, that's the one thing, right, that we've all said all year that's kind of been missing has been that vertical threat. But with MVS healthier now, um, you know, they're, they're starting to take some more shots down the field. I think that's good. That, that's just one more weapon to have in the arsenal. Uh, you just hope, hope Rodgers can be accurate on it. Speaking of the passing game, uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, once again playing Green Bay, got exposed multiple times. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think it was something like he was targeted five times. All five were completions. Um, I am planning on writing this week's film study on Jalen Ramsey getting exposed. Uh, I'm actually quite excited to look at that. Uh, more so is just as far as how they game planned around him, how to you know utilize mismatches, things like that. Uh, very excited to break that down for you guys. But I mean, you know, scheme aside and everything, Devontae cooks that man. Same thing we saw back in January, right? Uh, just shows you how good Devontae Adams is. Uh, um, you, uh, what else have what else have we not said about the man? You know, it's like he's you put him up against Jalen Ramsey and he just makes him look like uh, I don't want to say a mediocre corner, but uh yeah, Devontae Adams just uh, once again schooled him. So you got to give number 17 some credit. But just, yeah, you know, Ramsey's still a very good corner, but maybe just, maybe Devontae's just got his number. Who knows? For the record, I do love Jalen Ramsey, the player. Oh my goodness, that man is versatile and effective. Uh, it's just that Devontae Adams has the best release package in the world. Uh, when he's playing off the line of scrimmage, he can make anyone whiff. Um, not only did he finish with over 100 yards again today, or sorry, on Sunday. I say today a lot on this podcast, it feels like. You know, just days all blend together mm -hmm. since COVID hit. <laughs> Seems to be the case. Uh, but obviously, not only did he have 100 yards, uh, finished, he's already over 1,000 for the year. Um, I don't know what else more you can say about Devontae, like you said. He's top two, not two, right? Well, absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about his forework and his release. There's a video on YouTube. Um, I can't remember if it's from this year or last year, but he talks. It's Devontae Adams breaking down film and how he gets his release off. If you have not seen that, go watch it. It is quality content. And it just shows you how much how much of an artist the man is and how much work he puts into his craft. So once again, tip of the hat to Devontae Adams, but it's a day that ends in DAY. So are you talking you know, about that video with Baldy? I yes, yes, oh it was Baldy. Gosh. Yes. I actually watched that right before the season began for the first time. Absolutely. So it was last year. Okay. Uh man, what no, I think Maybe so. I think the video was, yeah, it was two years ago. I watched it for the first time this offseason because they were talking about that playoff game against Seattle where he just cooked them. Um, really fascinating uh, stuff because, you know, not only is he just athletic and gifted and has a good release package, you know, he's smart as a whip too. Hearing him talk X's and O's is really awesome. Um, only other note I had on the offense, I really appreciate that they never gave up on the run, right? You know, they were determined to have that balanced offensive attack even if they only are averaged less than three yards a carry. I mean, that's really all you needed when it was like third and short and everything. You just continue to feed AJ Dillon, the beast. 
Well, he, he might only get you three yards, but those are going to be tough yards, and it's going to be yardage that wears down a defense. Uh, and that's exactly what you need when you're up against a front like that. So, you know, they, they he didn't – LaFleur didn't back away from it. They stayed committed to it. Rodgers wasn't checking out of run plays. You know, that's that's what's going to serve them well as the weather gets colder. Um, so that's – obviously, it's – next game's in December, so well, hopefully they stick with it. It's funny to think about it. Uh, Justice alluded to this on Twitter that the, you know, AJ Dillon is the second string ish running back in Green Bay. He is better than most teams running backs. It's crazy to think about. Well, yeah, Matt, you know, Matt, Laf- uh, Matt LaFleur said, you know, that, you know, is AJ Dillon good enough to be a ru- running back? You know, is, has he, how is he compared to Aaron Jones? And Matt LaFleur said it's 1A, 1B. Um, they both bring such different elements to the game. But what AJ Dillon brings just is so perfect for what Matt LaFleur and that, um, Shanahan style offense does that. Uh, yeah, he's he's going to be a special player. Um, can't wait to see him in the winter. A couple missed opportunities on offense, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's go ahead and move over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, just a reminder for everyone: I'm sure you're aware, Rasul Douglas was signed off a practice squad. I just, I, I really can't believe this. I you, how? I mean, you I, you want to talk about you know. I'll be writing about Rasul Douglas this week, you know, to give my shameless plug. You want to talk about a diamond in the rough. Um, shout out to Brian Gutekunst in the front office and the scouting staff, because, man, they 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 found one and they got one. Uh, is it too soon to be start talking extension for him, you know, along with Devondre Campbell? I mean, it's it's got to be getting close, right? I mean, I mean, he's only 26 years old. I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. You know, I love his aggressiveness. I love how he, you know, this click close plays when he's breaking downhill, whether it is on a pass or against the run is just totally awesome. Um, I still vividly remember when they signed him, it was a little news nugget we had on this podcast. And I went, oh yeah, I remembered him at West Virginia. He had a lot of interceptions this final year. And now here we are, a game ceiling interception against Arizona, a pick six now. Uh, again, there's countless plays and run supporter on those like, swing passes. Um, just really impressed with how he's been playing. It's awesome. Um, and I think you alluded to this a little bit, but, you know, kind of a salute to Charles Woodson. How perfect is that? Oh, I mean, with Woodson in the house, that was absolutely perfect. Um, I don't want, you know, I don't want to say really reminds me of Woodson, but he's always around the ball like Woodson was. And, you know, when you've got him in the house, you want to show out well. And uh, he definitely, um, he definitely, I think, did Chuck proud. Yeah, uh, I think a couple guys wanted to show up for Woodson. There are a lot of opportunities for pick sixes. Stokes made a heck of a play to jump in front of one pass, just couldn't haul it in. Uh, Rasul could have had a second one. I think Savage was in in the mix. You know, a lot of secondary players just jumping passes. Yeah, the Stokes, the Stokes pick got me. I'm like, oh, man, you're wearing 21 with Woodson in the house. That would have been perfect. But, uh, you know, Rook, Rook, he's a rookie, you know, and Stokes has been obviously fire the mostly for the whole season. So not going to be too upset, but man, that would have been like, that would have been like chef's kiss. Perfect. Yeah. That, that being said, you know, the secondary past couple of weeks is starting to get exposed a little bit. You know, those explosive plays that the Packers have done such a good job of, you know, not giving up all season are finally starting to show up. Uh, I don't want to say it's time for panic button. I feel like there's going to be hot take pieces about how, you know, the deep ball is going to doom them. I think more than anything, this is just a regression to the mean. I feel like explosive plays happen to every defense in the league. I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, don't want to say it's a trend yet. And Joe Barry, I think he'll do a little bit better 
job maybe changing up the coverage disguises a little bit, you know, something with him and Jerry Gray, uh, keeping things covered um, under wraps a little bit. But I definitely would say so. I mean, it hasn't been somewhere nobody's been close. It's just their um, – I forgot who I forgot who fell on that touchdown to uh, to Jefferson. But uh, sometimes that, you know, that's what's going to happen. But, yeah, I would definitely say a, a regression to the mean. I wouldn't say it's a panic button yet, thankfully. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford uh, is not always the most accurate on some of those play, play passes because it could have, it might have been worse. Yeah, um, you know, we Shannon Sullivan. I don't, I love him, man. Like he's made some plays in the past, but I don't think he is starting Kyle That makes me a little sad. Um, we'll see what happens when Jair returns. You know, knock on wood. Feels like that, you know, that might be coming. I see him on social media everywhere, not wearing like a shoulder brace. Like maybe. Maybe are we getting close? Well, and I think when you get if you get Alexander back, I think you're going to see Pat. You, they're going to respect that side of the field more, and I think that that might stem some potential deep pass issues. Um, so it, uh, the, I think, I think that'll definitely help. But uh, I, I think some adjustments, you know, defensively should should be able to be made. I'm not, I'm not too concerned yet. I mean, if if uh, Justin Fields goes and torches him in a couple of weeks, you know, that might be a different discussion, but I'm not too worried about it right now. One guy we got to bring up because we bring him up. I'm pretty sure we've brought him up every single week. We've talked uh, Kenny Clark, man, destroyer of worlds back at it again. I, you know, we just like Devontae Adams. What else can we say about the man? The man is just a human wrecking ball. Um, you know, you they're, they're, nobody's been able to stop him yet. Nobody has been able to find the solution to that. So I'm not sure what you know, what else somebody else can do. Just a he's he's your stereotypical three four front guy, right? You just nobody. He just plows through a field like I like I plow through a case of beer after a long week of work. So um, he, uh, I, what else can we say about him? I mean, a sack, a couple of pressures. And then I, I think one of the biggest plays of the game, you know, everyone's criticizing Sean McVay for that, you know, very stupid third and one run, trying to run a two minute drill. Uh, you know, I think it would be talking about it a lot differently if Kenny Clark doesn't make a play to get him, you know, right at the line of scrimmage. It was a heck of a play. Um, absolutely flabbergasted pro football focus gave him like a 50 overall grade for the game he had. Uh, he just continues to be a game wrecker. Speaking of game records, we also got to give a shout out to Rashawn Gary, even with the elbow brace, came out with a beautiful strip sack, gorgeous rip move uh, over Andrew Whitworth, you know, one of the most veteran solid left tackles in the league. Um, He's up to 50 pressures this year. Uh, Just a truly, truly incredible run he's having right now. Uh, We kind of, I think a lot of us, you know, that have been following the team fairly closely kind of saw the breakout coming, but I would say this exceeded our expectations. Would you agree? Yeah, because I always figured that he was just going to be that I'm an athlete. I'm going to get sacks because I'm an athlete. Uh, but he's completely changed as far as his technique this year. His technique is so polished. One of the things that's like a savvy pass rusher does is he mixes up his pass rush moves, right? Like he doesn't try to go to the well more than once consecutively. So you're seeing that he is coming up with different pass rush moves to get to the quarterback. Offensive linemen don't know how to prep for him. Uh, and that's how he generates as much pressure as he does. Uh, I do have a little note here before, you know, you go into it. Um, in 2020, or sorry, 2020, the entire season, 18 games, if you're including the playoffs, Gary, Preston Smith, and Kenny Clark had a combined 103 pressures. Or sorry, um, they had 107 pressures. 
This year in only 12 games, they have 103. That's how big of an impact they're having in Joe Barry's defense. I mean, stats don't lie, right? Uh, it just, uh, you know, Kenny Clark was phenomenal last year, but Preston Smith had a down year. Rashawn Gary was starting to come on later, but he wasn't quite there yet. And you've just seen a reborn Preston Smith combined with a, you know, Kenny, uh, excuse me, with Rashawn Gary having a breakout year. You know, can you imagine with Zadarius Smith in there? I mean, Lord have mercy. It's coming. I'm convinced. I don't, they've been so weird with Zadarius's injury. I'm convinced as soon as the playoffs come around, have fun stopping Gary, Zadarius, and Preston. That, man, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be one of those. Oh, we're going to key on. Okay, we're going to key on Gary. Key on Gary. Oh, there goes Zadarius Smith in for a sack. So I think that's that I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, that's probably going to be the best pass rush they've had in years. Hopefully that comes at exactly the right time. I got to bring us down again, though, before we move on, man. I'm sorry, but special teams, dude. I, I, I just want it to stop. I just, I just want this to stop. You know, I, I wrote last week about Mason Crosby. You know, is the bell starting to toll for him? You know what? It's really tough. I think, I think it's time for Mason. I hate to say this, but it's really tough to get a kicker to come in in December in Green Bay who has, who's available right now that's kicked in that kind of an element. Um, it's really going to be, it's really going to be tough to do. Um, but I think it's special teams at the end of the year, Mo Drayton wins the press conference. He doesn't win on the field. I think they need to blow up that side of the ball. I don't like calling for firing a coach's mid mid year. I think it's a hot take, but in this case, I mean, what more do we need to see? And even when Crosby's making his kicks, they're barely getting in. I mean, okay. It was a little windy on yesterday. I get that or on Sunday. I get that, but it's not. You know, at some point it just, I don't, I never, I don't understand the hire in retrospect and the fact that Matt LaFleur after his special teams are so bad, they went within the staff of that horrible special teams group to promote within, even if he is a fiery guy, um, technique wise, it's just, it's just not getting it done. So you, you can keep, you can keep, uh, keep your punter, but I think everything else needs to change. I don't know how you – I don't think you can switch midseason, especially, like you said, in the elements of Lambeau, Crosby has kicked in it before. Uh, even if he's struggling, that whole unit's just a mess. Um, I think, if anything, the silver lining is that you – at least you're self-aware that it's a mess, right? So I think you are starting to see the Packers are starting to be a little more aggressive on fourth down at field goal range, you know, or they want to punt it and pin a guy and have a 20-yard punt. But, you know, we don't have to get into that part. I think you just situationally you become more aware of it and you can adapt to it. I would rather have that than them bring in a random kicker and just try him out and mm-hmm. potentially lose games that way. That's my only concern. Uh, you know, that being said, the other concern is on punt return. The, the irony, just the pure irony of we all called for Amari Rogers to get benched from punt return only to see Randall Cobb come in on a first punt return and immediately muff one. I don't know how much more perfect that can get. I mean, the, 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 that's something out of the onion almost, right? Yeah. I mean, it's something where, I, you know, Randall, it's, it's Randall Cobb, you know, some of the best hands on the team. And that happens. I mean, that's, it was, I mean, if you, if you've ever been inside that bowl and the winds howling, it's a different story. So, I mean, I'm giving a little bit of a pass, but yeah, that I don't, I don't understand that at all. And I hope we don't see Amari Rogers back on punts. Um, when they play Chicago in a couple of weeks, but uh, you know, to go back to your story about the uh, to get to go back to your story about Crosby, 
I think it's definitely time for training camp competition, at least. Um, yes. He's got another year on his deal, I believe. But uh, it's that whole side of the football is a mess. Um, they have a, they have yeah. a training camp kicker. Uh, I looked at his college stats at UCLA. I did not love them. I think his career long is 49 yards and he wasn't very accurate. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I just hope that's not the successor. Uh, The one thing, nice thing I do want to say, I don't think this part gets enough attention. The kickoff and punt coverage lately has been really damn good. Uh, I'll get into a specific player about that in a moment, but you know, after I think there was a San Francisco kickoff return that, you know, gashed them right before halftime, something like that. But ever since then, I feel like kickoff, especially you are not seeing guys get past the 25 very often. Yeah. So maybe that gives Mo Drayton a bit of a stay of execution, but I mean, the rest, I mean, the, again, the kick, the field goal unit, maybe is the rough yeah. part, but they're also still not returning kicks. But I mean, the coverage part of it, yeah, has been much better. Um, you know, it's, it's like after that return, you said in San Francisco, something must've really, I'm guessing something popped out like, Oh, there's our leak. And they've, they've since cleaned it up. So shuffled, shuffled some personnel around. You know, I know who you're – obviously, I saw the show notes, so I know who you're speaking of. We will get into him later. Um, fantastic find um, with that. You know, it keeps, keeps him on the team, and we'll, well, we'll talk more about him later. But, uh, yeah, they definitely have cleaned that area up um, very well. I don't want special teams to be continue to being a talk point. I'm just – I'm tired of it. I don't want to keep talking about special teams. You know, I, I scout college players for fun. Do you think I ever scout kickers and punters? <laughs> do you know what I'm going to probably have uh-huh. to do this year? Well, well, I don't think you're going to have to scout punters, but no. I think kickers and long and long snappers um, are how? definitely going to be. How a, do you how do you scout a long snapper? Uh, there's there there have to be ways, right? I mean that the the NFL draft complex, I'm sure, has got a method of that, but. I don't know. I, I don't even know how you would draft for that. I mean, that's probably an undrafted free agent pick, but uh, yeah, I think that's that whole operation needs to be cleaned up. Good rotation spin. You know, how many RPMs is he getting on that spin velocity, you know, accuracy. Oh, I, I don't want to do this, man. I'm already, Oh God. I'm, I'm not going to, I refuse. Unless Acme packing company pays me a bunch of money to evaluate long snappers and then we'll get into it. But yeah, Mike, I, microchip, microchip the footballs. Microchip the footballs. There we go. All right. Let's, let's stop talking about this. Uh, let's take a quick break, get into some ads, and then we'll go into our occurring segments. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
And we're back. No more special team stock. Hold on. Actually, let me check the notes. I lied. There are some more special team stocks. Um, but before we do that, let's get into our gold zone updates, Chris. Um, another slightly disappointing day uh, on Sunday, going three for five in the red zone uh, against the Rams. Uh, on the bright side, they did score on all five trips, which feels like that has not happened very often. Yeah, that's, you know, at least they got points out of every drive, which that's in the end, that's really the important part. But the touchdown efficiency thing again, eh, you know, they got points. So I'm willing to be a little more forgiving on this one. But uh, yeah. Quick math. That's, I mean, it's a little over five points a red zone trip. I'll take that. You know, when you, when you, you know, average that out, that's not bad. Unfortunately, they are still 25th in the NFL and red zone touchdown percentage. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that seals it. We're going to have to change the name next year. Yeah. I don't think the bronze zone um, works. That sounds awfully close to something a Lakers podcast would go with um, the silver zone, probably Oakland or I'm sorry, Oakland, God, Vegas. I'm old school. Sorry. But uh <laughs> Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to rebrand next year for sure. So anybody has any good ideas, uh, we're open to it. COVID Toes, the podcast, deep dive into Aaron Rodgers' foot. Anyway, all right. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to point out, uh, defense did get another red zone stop, and it feels like we're talking about this every week. After that stretch to start the season where they gave up touchdowns on 100% of their drives, I'm pretty sure they've gotten at least one red zone stop in every single game, uh, including – and since the Washington football team game, do we think this is communication improving? Do we think this is a regression or is it a little both? I, I would definitely say a, a, a mix, but I mean, also, you know, that I would lean more towards the communication part because they're more comfortable with the defense. Um, you know, that Joe Barry is able to get more, more scheme depth, you know, more deep into his playbook. So that clearly has helped, but I mean, there was no way that streak was going to continue. I mean, even with, even in the worst Dom Capers years, I, they were getting stops in the red zone. So something I had to give there. So I'll go 60% uh, better communication, 40% just regression to the mean. Cool. Shout out to our reporting as eligible friends for regression of the mean. Uh, that is forever burned in my head now, whenever I say that phrase. So cheers, Paul, Matub, I, JR. Yeah. I, I actually brought that up in a, in a work meeting at one point and like, since when did you become a math nerd? <laughs> you know, and I, <laughs> I mean, Paul, Paul and Paul and Matub and JR have made me a smarter person overall. So I got a tip of the hat to them, of course. Paul has made me a smarter person. Matub has just infuriated me. I love the guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, Matt's Matt, Matt's the best. Um, just just the best. <laughs> he we we can go ahead and chalk him up as one of our panning for gold positive takeaways from this week. Matt's the best. Uh, my actual for real one though. Um, I do like we just uh, alluded to earlier. I, I got to give out a shout out to uh, Tex Western's boy, Equinemius St. Brown EQ. Uh, what a game for the man. I think him and the team have finally figured out his role. Uh, he had an extremely strong special teams performance, even though one of the punts was called back. Uh, the punt coverage he had on a couple of plays was just phenomenal. You know, he gets down there. He hustles. Uh, he did catch another pass this week. Uh, he can get involved as a blocker and motion on some of those reverse plays. He's not going to be a star. I think everyone can figure that at this point, but you know, he is a contributor. Uh, he's carved out a role for himself in a pretty crowded wide receiver room when healthy. 
Uh, I just want to give a shout out to him. I think he's starting to not only accept, but also embrace the role he's been given. And he's starting to, you know, make plays that are helping the Packers win football games. Yeah. So not to sound like John Gruden, but here's a guy who, you know, early in his career beat up, you know, just couldn't stay healthy to show the tools in college. I mean, obviously when, you know, when he and MVS were drafted, I think everybody agreed that St. Brown was the more pro ready wide receiver, but he couldn't stay healthy. Um, finally got a shot this year. And, you know, when, in Matt LaFleur's offense, you got, if you're a wide receiver, you got to obviously catch the ball, but you also have to be able to block. And he, like you said, he really has come on strong in that regard. Um, and also when you're, when you're trying to, you know, keep you around the roster spot, you got to also contribute on special teams. And like you said, he, he's really played well in that regard as well. And he's, he's, I think he's safely off the roster bubble, even if he's, you know, not up on a contract, but I think he's definitely, you know, and Aaron Rodgers has been singing his praises too. So what more of an endorsement could you want? Oh, uh, you know, Rodgers has got to be careful with that. You know, when he praises roster bubble wide receivers, that, that doesn't always go well. <laughs> Jake Kumaro, cough, 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 cough. But Chris, who? 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 <laughs> who was it? This Who were they talking about this uh, off season when someone brought up a joke about one of the tight ends uh, to Rodgers? And Rodgers was like, Jesus, dude. Yeah, it was it was it was Domofsky. He goes, Jesus, Rob. <laughs> he goes, Oh, we're not gonna see him traded to Buffalo, are we? And Rogers just about spit out his drink. But the I mean, he I mean Rogers, I that was that's probably the you know, Rogers kind of gave the tip of the hat to Rob Domofsky there, who um Rob's a phenomenal guy and just his his humor is so can be so dry, but uh yeah, that that was that was that was probably my favorite press conference moment of the year. Rogers <laughs> almost does the spit take, Jesus Rob. I just great moment. <laughs> Well, Chris, who was your positive takeaway for the week? I'm going with Yash Nyman. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, if we, you know, we were talking in the preseason, like, boy, if Nyman's going to be in there, you know, we're in trouble. But uh, phenomenal job. Again, Aaron Donald and company with that defensive front. Um, just a, I don't even want to say a yeoman's where he played really, really well. Um, you know, and Rogers, you know, and Rogers loves the kid and he, in his press conference, again, single him out for praise and said, you know, when you're telling him that I don't have to worry about that side of the line. So that's Rogers blind side for him to not have to worry about his blind side is remarkable. I mean, that is probably the highest possible praise uh, Yash Nyman can get. And uh, also a special shout out again to um, Adam Stenovich doing, doing the work again. I mean, he's, we say this every week, but he's going to be calling plays or an offensive coordinator somewhere. I just don't, I hope it's in green Bay and which means Nathaniel Hackett, who I love to death as well. Hopefully that means he got a head coaching job, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yeah. Nyman is just such an incredible story as far as Packers fans loved him for basically no reason. And he had never played a snap. And not only from go from being beloved to per, starting, playing, and producing is just absolutely incredible. And I stand by my take that he is the greatest third string tackle in NFL history. Not not a bad take. I mean, we have come a long way from the days of Don Barkley, who played, who had some good plays, but you know, down the stretch, you know, became more of a liability. Um, also, you know to separate the player from the guy also probably one of the best guys that were on that team those years um loved on but uh yeah what a what a story and uh he's i mean how deep are they going to be at that left tackle position when they get bakhtiari back i mean good lord 
Yeah, I mean, people are already talking about, like, can we get Nyman to play when Bakhtiari's back? I don't think you can. He cannot play guard. It's just like I don't think the size makes any sense. Billy Turner's playing well enough. You can't justify it unless you want to kick him inside. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't mind having him as that depth guy in case something happens. So, you know, here's here's kind of a weird theory, and hear, hear me out on this. So a lot of these teams with young up-and-coming quarterbacks, what's the next, after you acquire a great quarterback, um, what's the next thing you got to do? You got to protect them. Trade bait? I mean, if you want to start getting aggressive and start making some moves, can you get some get some picks for these guys, you know, flip them into a fourth or a fifth, you know, and eventually maybe work that up a little bit? I mean, I, that would be some mad scientist type stuff, but it's a new era in Green Bay, so who knows? He is a restricted free agent next year, so there, there's something that goes oh, there. Uh, I forgot about the RFA part. I forgot. I yeah. forgot. I keep forgetting. We're in, I keep, you know, last year was so long. I keep thinking we're still in 2020. <laughs> you know, when I see 2022, yeah. and I'm still thinking a year down the road. But uh, yep. yeah, I mean, hey, man, I don't. You can still put a tender on him, right? Like you can put a second, third round tender. See what happens. Uh, you could get a draft pick out of it. Just saying. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd do a second or a third, but uh, I uh, fourth. I think would be reasonable. But I mean, if you put a high tender on him get a pick out of them, you know, that not outside the realm of possibility. Absolutely. We'll see what happens, man. Um, if anything, all the credit to him, cause he's made himself a lot of money this season. So very happy for him. I actually, it's weird to say I am actively rooting for him to get a contract somewhere else. I really hope he gets paid. I'd be very happy for him. Yeah. Cause I mean, spoiler alert, we can't keep, you know, we can't keep everybody. And especially after, after this year's over, if some of these guys are going to leave, are probably going to end up leaving. Um, and getting paid elsewhere, which, you know, got to, got to get the bag when you can more power to them. So. Yep. Always respect that. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our news nuggets. Don't have too much. Uh, actually it's all okay. News. Um, first one though, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers toe watch, you know, it is a broken pinky toe. It is not COVID toe. Uh, don't listen to the mainstream media, you know, um, the wall stuff, <laughs> the failing wall street journal. I just, I, <laughs> I just, I, you know, when I went to school, you know, with the wall street journalist, so to put in perspective, just in 2005, 2006, that was like the gold standard. Yeah. Now I don't like to, I hate the term fake news, but Oh man, that story was fake. That's news. bad. Yeah. That was, that was a bad story when he was clearly, you know, if you listen to the interview, like obviously they're just joking around. He doesn't seem like he really knows what they're talking about. Uh, but anyway, on that pinky toe, uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport did say that Aaron Rodgers is not going to have surgery on that toe. Um, just going to try and let it rest. Uh, that that doesn't sound like the best news. It sounds like what probably happened is they told him surgery. He would have to miss a game or two, and he just said absolutely not. I think it's a lingering thing. You know, that being said, I think it, if anything, it's just a pain management issue. I'm not sure how much worse of an injury that can get. So, you know, if he's playing as well as he has the past two games and he has a week to rest before the stretch run, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about Aaron Rodgers' pay management. I mean, his he played under Mike McCarthy for 17 and 18. He had to stick with Dom Caper so long, so his pain tolerance is very high. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. So I think it's more of a pain tolerance issue. And like I said, if you try, if anybody listening, just try to, mimic a drop back and try to plant your foot on your pinky toe. And you can kind of see what that probably feels like and why it could just be some, why it's probably uncomfortable. It could maybe throw off his throwing motion, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, he survived 
the, the end of the McCarthy years. His pain, he, he can tolerate pain. It was my knee. Still one of my favorite uh, sound bites from Rodgers. Yeah, I will say this. My knee. My knee. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. You know, when I think of competitive toughness, you know, Baker Mayfield's the one that's all the rage right now. Stafford has done that a lot through his career. Rodgers has played through some shit, man. Um, credit to him. Uh, I always appreciate a quarterback like that. We'll see. You know, I, I, as far as injuries go, pinky toast, not the end of the world. I would love it if he comes out of the bye week and does a succession video, you know, with his rehab and everything. That'd be pretty great. Oh, <laughs> oh, you, oh man. Um, or he'll come out with something on a, on a t-shirt or something when he's on McAfee. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's more his style, but yeah, I would, oh man, I would love that. You know, like, like uh, Perry Goldstein, I think was the one who tweeted it, but it's like this little piggy scored a touchdown. I would love to see like a, this. <laughs> little... I just, I just think that I, that that would be a troll job worthy of Aaron Rodgers, but we'll have to see what he, if he does. Yep. Fingers crossed. Obviously, you know, that is some, you know, again, uh, not the worst news, just something to keep an eye on, uh, on some good news, Darnell Savage, you know, for those watch the end of the game on that onside kick attempt by the Rams, just a real cheap shot on Darnell Savage, you know, Savage tweeted after the games, like, I guess he wasn't even going after the ball, just trying to get that hit. Basically. He also did tweet that he is okay. You know, that was kind of a relief, you know, with the entire lack of safety depth, uh, making sure him and Amos are healthy is priority. Yeah, that was, that was a ridiculous play at the end, but I, when I saw Savage's tweet, Savage's Savage tweet at the end, uh, I was glad to see he's okay. But I mean, just unnecessary. I mean, you can do that, but God forbid we hurt any feelings with taunting. You know, I I just I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I tweeted something like, you know, Aaron Donald choked. I think it was Lucas Patrick in front of a referee, and the referee broke it up. That wasn't a penalty, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire pointing at a guy as he scores a touchdown is like. I just don't understand the priorities anymore in the NFL. Yeah, I, I don't know about I don't know about the laws in Indiana, but if I did that in a bar here in Wisconsin, what Aaron Donald did to Lucas Patrick, I would be handcuffed, um, and I would I live, be charged with something. I live in Indiana. I assume most things I do would put me in jail. I don't know. I just try not to. I don't stir the pot anywhere. Um, yeah, to, to to be fair. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> um, we we haven't gotten much news on Randall Cobb's groin injury. He did leave. Uh, the game after the first half uh, Lafleur revealed on today, which is Monday. It uh, sounds like he injured it on his touchdown, um, which doesn't sound great. Um, again, they were super vague about it. I think him having a week off with the bye week will be great. Uh, and also you're playing the bears the week after you can afford to rest the guys. Let's be real. Um, side note. I don't think we even talked about it, but you know, what a heck of a half from Randall Cobb. Yeah, I mean, it, you want to know why Roger, you know, there's a lot of people, GMs play, GMs build the roster, players play, coaches coach, but he had a point. I mean, it, Randall Cobb has not been just a sideshow act this year. He's been a valuable part of the offense and credit to Matt LaFleur for using um, Cobb in the ways he has. So, I mean, it's, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who just looks like he's happy to be in Green Bay. Look at Randall Cobb and I'll use the line again that Justice loved, but not being stuck with a poverty franchise like the Houston Texans. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not wrong. <laughs> so I mean, it's um, I you know, just finding ways to use a legitimate slot receiver, but also you know, moving him around a bit. So it, what else can we say about Cobb? It's just, it was a Rogers went to bat for his guy, and he's made it pay off. Which you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm the GM, I said, okay, Aaron, we're going to bring him in, but 
this better work. And who has it ever? I want to know whose idea it was after the Minnesota game when Justin Jefferson ran a Texas run out of the backfield. Was it Rodgers? Was it LaFleur? I just imagine someone saw that on film and went, I want that. And so they did it with Cobb, and that resulted in a touchdown. Absolutely loved that. Good, good. Uh, the saying is good artists copy, great artists steal. Uh, there's a lot of stealing in NFL playbooks, but give credit to the coaching staff for seeing that and be like, yeah, we're going to do that. I just want another speed option as well. Uh, that, that I will think about that play for the rest of my life, probably. In a loss, it was still a cool play. Um, let's go ahead and move in, wrap up with Gold Rush, just some fun in-game moments. Um, I, I think one of the uh, more popular ones, the Packers put this on social media as well, if you want to check their socials. Uh, Devontae Adams ran out of the sideline, knocked over a Packers staff member. His beanie fell off. I, I just appreciate instead of going back to the huddle, he helped the guy up and helped put his beanie back on. It was just a really uh, funny moment. Well, it's just Devontae Adams is a phenomenal guy. I, you know, it's just that's that's the that's the little unique things that just made that show me that there's just so many good men in that locker room, and it makes why it's so easy to cheer for. And really, something I think the rest of the country really could take a lesson from is you know in terms of teamwork and coming together for a common goal. But uh, yeah, that was that <laughs> kind of kind of a good moment there. He was struggling to put to it on the story too. behind it. Yeah, he was struggling to put the Albini on too. It's probably because he was wearing gloves and everything. I just thought it was funny that it, it took him a second to successfully do it. Uh, so that was pretty good. The other thing that made me chuckle, uh, AJ Dillon on his touchdown. Um, I think it's my favorite touchdown celebration of the year. They've been talking all week about Yash and Iman doing the robot. Uh, after a touchdown a couple weeks back. So A.J. Dillon scores a touchdown and then pretends to be a robot with Yash immediately after it. Just a- another thing that was just perfect to me. Yeah, someone whose primary dance move was the robot growing up. I mean, I A-plus, A-plus execution on that one. That was just a great, uh, great effort. I mean, you can you see how much fun these guys are having? I, it's just, it's, I don't know what, I don't know what culture Matt LaFleur developed there, but man, I want to bring some of that into my office. Yeah, I mean, they were playing the quote-unquote Super Bowl favorites, um, and they were playing loose. You could see guys laughing on the sidelines, you know, having fun. N- nothing better than that. Last note, last note I have for it, you know, just once again, someone fell for an Aaron Rodgers pump fake, and just how fitting was it that it was Jalen Ramsey? I mean, I initially I saw that. I'm like, he pumped, I'm like, he pumped fake to nobody, and Ramsey, and Ramsey fell for it. I just uh, – I just, every time Rodgers pump fakes, it's just, it's um, when he does those on those runs, it's just, it's, it's classic um, act, good acting job there by Aaron. It's like, I feel like that almost goes hand in hand with mocking the belt. I don't think the win percentage is as high when he pump fakes to nobody. I enjoy it a lot more though. But that little, um, the other thing that Rodgers has done, I think he, I don't know if he's done it on a touchdown run this year, but it was 2016 during that run the table stretch when he did that little juke move and I don't remember who was on Minnesota secondary, but Rogers actually just did a tiny little shuffle of his hips. And I want to say it might've been Xavier Rhodes that he'd like juked out of his shorts. It was unbelievable. Also, if you do watch that pump fake, just watch Ramsey at the end of the play. It is pretty funny. He like just completely loses control running out out of bounds. I just, that really got me. Um, Do you have anything else for uh, the audience, Chris? Uh, no, that, that's, that's really it. I mean, what a, what a great way to go into a bye week Um, phenomenal, phenomenal win. Uh, I I feel a heck of a lot better about the team now than I did after the uh, Vikings game. That's for sure. 
Yeah, if division games are weird, that's what I'm going to chalk it up to. Uh, this is a legitimate Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, with how weird the rest of the NFL is, uh, there aren't a lot of teams that feel like safe bets. Uh, and I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible here. I think I would go Packers, Patriots. I do think the Patriots are really solid. Uh, Cardinals are up there. I mean, they were winning without Colt McCoy. I can't name anyone else. Do you have any other names? Um, no, yeah, sorry. I would go there. I, I, I would put on Tampa as well. I know. I don't want to admit it, but Tampa's on there too. Yeah, I if anybody a fan of another team, get behind the Packers because, I mean, do we really want a Brady-Belichick Super Bowl? Oh, God. Mm. The, the the narrative the narrative i mean that would be oh i just did no no um but uh that really that really sums it up i mean it's the packers are as beat up as they are you know with the pieces they put in place and how they've performed you know if we're talking about matt lafleur for coach of the year i think this game proves i think we need to start putting executive of the year on brian gutekunst uh, with the small assist to Aaron to assistant GM Aaron Rodgers, but <laughs> I mean, I think I think Gutekunst deserves way more respect or way deserves way more credit this year. Um, he's gone out and gotten guys. He hasn't sat pat and just made some minor tweaks. You know, he's poached guys off practice squads, which isn't this what you know fans have been clamoring for from their GM? He got Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Corey Baroquez, all for like four dollars under massive cap constraints. I don't know what else you want for the guy. And of course, number one thing, he convinced Aaron Rodgers to play. So if that, I think if that alone, ignore everything else, you convince 12 to come back. That's executive year in my eyes, let alone making all these bargain moves to make, you know, it's the depth, man. There's depth everywhere besides safety. Um, but man, what a, what a team. But I mean, he not only got Rodgers back, but by all accounts, unless this is an Oscar worthy job, if it's not, but Rodgers is happy. Um, not quite what I thought I'd see going into this year. I mean, I thought, okay, they're going to win games, but the vibes on this team have been remarkable. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they've actually buried, buried the hatchet throughout the season, but Rogers looks happy. I don't know what's happened, but shout out to Brian Gutekunst. Shout out to everybody. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, it's, it's been a great run so far. Um, I believe we'll be back for the bye week. Not entirely sure, um, but you know, stay tuned. Happy packing company, uh, all the podcast feed, uh, and with that, I'll leave you guys with "I love gold." Thanks.